From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Florendo talks about finding meaningful sports science data to complement your athletic performance, how to combine sports science and resistance training to create an all-encompassing performance program, and knowing your coaching strengths and the value you can bring to a program. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I'm joined by Trevor Florendo. He's the head strength conditioning coach and the director of sports science at the Colorado School of Mines. He's entering his sixth year there. Um, and you got a special treat today because I know a lot of us strength coaches are well-educated. We have our, our bachelor's and our master's, but we have a gentleman today that's joining us with a uh, you got your, what you have your bachelor's in mechanical engineering and you're working on your master's in biomechanics and he's a he's an engineer by trade so not only is he uh well qualified as a strength coach he's, he's very qualified to talk about you know biomechanics so welcome to the show coach appreciate you having me been a long time coming for us to get a uh, a public chat together after all the chats we've had over the years but appreciate you having me on yeah, definitely. Appreciate that. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your uh, current role there at the Colorado School of Mines and, and what you got going on there? Yeah, coach. So I am the head strength and conditioning coach and director of performance science, sports science, what have you. Um, actually, a new role that I started in the last few years um, started really just me having the idea of diving a little bit more into the data of what we're doing and how we can take that data in terms of performance metrics and turn it into enhanced athletic performance. So um, again, started as a strength and conditioning coach here full 
time in 2016 and the years before that I worked with, I started out with football as I'm a football alum here and then kind of sprinkled into a few more teams before the directorship opened up. Um, so did, did that. And then, um, you know, my current role as performance science director is kind of shifting away from data collection and analysis and now into more, um, practical research as I pursue and finish up my, my master's and eventual PhD in biomechanics and, and, uh, related field there. So, um, yeah, I, I guess you could say I, I have a, a three pronged role here at Minds, and that's uh, direct all athletic performance activities program for, for our teams here with my uh, both part time and volunteer staff. And then that would be the second prong would be performance science, you know, looking at the data behind our performance metrics. And then the third would be biomechanist, um, kind of truly diving into the research side of, a, of the biomechanics of athletic performance here at our uh, bioperformance lab. So, that's a little bit about my role. No, definitely. I, th- I think that's awesome. You had, you had mentioned data. What data have you found is something that a strength and conditioning coach do you think should you know pay attention to? Yeah. So I think the, I don't remember who said it, but when um, basically in essence is when your evaluations and your metrics start to be, you know, uh, uh, the, the pinnacle of your performance. Like if you're using a back squat, uh, to try and measure a football player's football performance, it ceases to be a good measure. Right. Um, so I think that getting away from absolute numbers is the data that people shouldn't, or is the trend that people should be probably, um, looking more towards a getting away from what the numbers are as opposed to how those numbers are achieved. And that's kind of what we're doing here with our bioperformance lab is um, taking more profile, a more biomechanical profile based approach to how athletes are achieving certain forces, impulses, et cetera, finding a certain profile on a plot, how that athlete achieves that plot, and then trying to enhance performance based on that. So just to say, you know, something that a lot of people are, are doing now um, is just force velocity profiling um, in terms of uh, weight room work. So it's pretty easy to tell if an athlete is more elastic strength base or, or, uh, or slow strength base. And you don't even need a force velocity profile to see that, but um, it's taking what makes that athlete great and then enhancing and training them in the ways that makes them great. That's really going to uh, show them their full potential. I think Stu McMillan at, at Altus had said that before, but um, you know, working on weaknesses is one way of doing it, but it's never going to enhance what, what makes that athlete great. So I think it's finding a blend of looking at data of what makes that athlete great, how that data makes that athlete great. And then using your uh, your coaching expertise to devise training plans to really enhance what makes that athlete mm. great. And, and how are you going about that? Are you guys, you know, using force plates and jumping? Are you timing these guys or are you using video? That's per- perfect question. So, right. So it kind of fluctuates. Um, right now, my absolute favorite tool is, is the uh, electronic Zybeck timing system that we bought from Zybeck. It's the same one that they have at the NFL combine. Super easy to use. You can use it for, uh, you know, we have three timing gates, so we'll run forties. For example, with the football team, we get them at a 10, 20, 40. You know, I can just spread that cable out a little bit and I can do flying tens. Um, so I would say my, my number one piece of equipment right now is just simply getting some biofeedback for the football team and also, the, I guess the soccer team's using it right now in 
these in these weird COVID times, um, but getting some biofeedback when we're running sprints. And I think that, you know, once they can start to put the pieces together of that's how a fast run feels, that's how a slow run feels, that's really going to help them be more intuitive in terms of their own training and finding um, their best method to approach training. So I guess to revert back to your question, using the Zybeck timing system right now, we dabble with force plates a lot um, during the semester, but then also with our bioperformance lab, we're thrilled to officially announce our new partnership with a company called Naraxon. For those that don't know who Naraxon is, they're a world-leading biomechanics and human movement technology company, and they truly are at the forefront of, of innovation in our field. Um, you know, I was originally drawn to them by just seeing some of the application of, of their technology that that they that they've been uh, working with um, with some of the people like at the Canadian Sports Institute and then some professional sports teams um, and then after getting to know some of the people on the team over there it was just clear that they have a shared passion for improving athletic performance and, and human movement you know coach I, I I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity to partner with them you know, and, and I, I truly believe that that together we can uh, we can continue to diving deeper into enhancing our student athletes' experiences through their athletic performance for many years to come. Moving forward, the ultimate goal for the rest of the semester is you know put together the IMUs with the EMGs on that motion capture software, and then start to tailor that with our timing systems so we can start to notice what a fast 40 or what a fast sprint looks like from a motion capture standpoint, and then start to provide that feedback to the athletes. This is what you were doing in the first five steps of this flying 10 where you hit 0.9. This is what you were doing in the first five steps of that flying 10 when you hit a 1.2. And then just really start to give them as much biofeedback as we can. So I know your question was, what tools are you using? So um, I guess I'll say favorite is electronic timing system just because of first simplicity, but in terms of like our bioperformance lab and what we're doing, um, utilizing all facets of IMU, EMG, and the motion capture software as well. So. No, that's awesome. And so you have your 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 football team they run on the timing system so does it alter how you go about training the individual or is it kind of like all all the bigs typically express this kind of biomechanical problem or is it trevor's running this isaiah's running this and here's how we can adjust their their workout program to complement biomechanic that is a perfect question so we did do the latter more like last spring and and before we started to gather a ton of data on how guys are producing force, how guys are um, achieving their speed profile. So what we found is obviously with bigs, some of the really impressive bigs on a football team can compete in a hard start 10 yard with with a lot of the skill guys. Like they're 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 explosive guys, they're highly propulsive, um, especially impulsive. They they can create relative impulses a lot greater than a lot of the skill guys over 10 yards. And then, you know, it's after 10 yards where, where the separation really occurs. But, you know, after looking at a lot of data from some of the speed work we did last spring um, and then even in last winter and then over the summer here, what I'm starting to find is there, it's not as simple as just saying bigs mid skill. There are a lot of intricacies of speed profiling that a lot of the bigs have um, among themselves that I'm starting to individualize as well. Um, so like, for example, we have a big here who hit 
who, and this is from, for all the uh, true sports scientists that are listening to this, this is simply just a gauge of what our catapult told us, but who the catapult said hit 18 miles an hour over a 13 yard sprint. Um, so obviously that could be a, be left up for debate, but there's no question that he's a highly, highly, highly impulsive athlete. Um, and also on top of that, this is the same guy who can hold a flying 10 in very, very low one second range. And this guy plays nose. He's an absolute freak athlete. I'm training him more on the speed strength and, and elastic side of things than I'm training um, for, say, his backup nose, who's more of a fire hydrant type. Highly, highly, highly slow strength based, um, plays more of that fire hydrant role, can run fast over 10 yard, but then, you know, that's really all he's good for, right? So, it's, it's even finding the, the intricacies of the speed profiling in and among the, the, the position groups themselves that I think that once you kind of tailor training to just that big mid skill profile, if you dive a little bit deeper, there is a lot of data down there that is let, that is left to be up or uh, unturned. Definitely. And for those of you who don't know, but the Colorado School of Mines is a, you know, a world renowned and, and nationally known engineering school. I feel like a lot of this information is easier for your athletes to grasp. Is that, is that correct in saying that? For sure. I, I truly don't think that, you know, I think it was Dan John who, when I was just getting interested in strength and conditioning, when I was an engineering undergrad student who said, you don't need to spend time. Basically you don't need to spend time explaining why to your athletes, if they truly believe in you, they'll buy into anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I just love that so much. And, you know, Dan John is such an incredible, incredible coach with such, such a renowned pedigree. Um, I held on to that for a long time. And then as I moved forth in my experience with mines athletes, I started to find like these guys have the biggest BS meter of <laughs> any athletes I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was one of them once, you know, you were in the way coach, you were, you were a, a mind strength and conditioning coach once. So, so, mm-hmm. you know, like, they'll give you like the quizzical look if something doesn't make sense. So reverting everything back to the why, especially biomechanically. And then, so they can see both um, what they're going to be doing and then how it pertains to their sport in, in, in particular is just so huge because they want to know that stuff. And there are a lot of places that, you know, especially when you start to deal with more of the elite athletes at the division one schools. And if we're talking football in particular, they want to know, will this drill give me the NFL? Yes. All right. I'm going to do this drill. Whereas our guys, you know, we've had only, only a handful of guys who have ever sniffed the NFL. Um, they want to know, you know, how is this going to enhance my performance? And then they're going to make the intellectual decision. Should I do this drill or should I just half-ass it and get, get on to the, to the next one dealing with, with the minds athlete is certainly, I'm certainly in a more advantageous position. Cause I was one. Um, but yes, the biofeedback is huge for them, like understanding the why, especially biomechanically, because essentially most of them do understand it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And most of them are either mechanical or engineers themselves, right. or I just know just the basics of physics and, and math needed just to be looked at to go to the School of Mines is uh, at pretty high level. So I think it's a, I think that's definitely a good thing that's played into your advantage of having a smart group of athletes that get it and at least understand it. And what is the, the culture you try to build in that weight room? Having been a minds athlete, 
but also a, a very, very high level strength coach. So how do you, how do you, how do you communicate? What's the cult? If I were to walk in and watch one of your guys football lifts, you know, what kind of culture would I see? I wish I could take credit for the, um, no nonsense when no nonsense is appropriate. I'll call it that approach. Um, but just so many of our athletes are intrinsically motivated. So all I can do is help to harbor and manifest a culture that's going to enhance that intrinsic motivation. I, if you came into the weight room, you would not see me hooting and hollering and pumping guys up. Uh, I would get laughed at if I did that to one of our, um, one of our athletes, guy, girl, whatever sport it would be. Um, they're, they're just, they, they don't really thrive on, um, what's, what's a good analogy here. They don't really thrive on motivation. They thrive on discipline. So what I've found is I can be a little bit more demanding in terms of, I can be, let's say I can be a little bit more trustworthy in terms of what I'm having them do um, behind my back because I know that they thrive on discipline and when it is time to show out or when I am in front of them, they're going to have put in the work behind the scenes. And that's nothing that I've done. That's, that's everything that those kids and their parents and, and whatever drives them has done in their life. Um, in terms of culture here, simply just try and do things the right way. And, and uh, there's an old adage here that, you know, um, I'll use football as another example because I, I was a player here and this was an old adage when, when I was around, but there's a term used that's called a mind's guy. And a minds guy is someone who simply does what is needed to be done to excel in the classroom and on the football field. And man, if I had a nickel for every, how in the world do we get that guy? He is such a talented player who didn't make it here because he didn't have the discipline in the, in the academic side. Speaking strictly on football, I would have a ton of nickels and <laughs> On the flip side, if I had a nickel for every athlete who walked on at a, at a walk on at a Division two school, who turned into being like an All American style player here, or even had a sniff in the NFL, I would also have a handful of nickels. So, and it, it it never fails. Those guys who truly have the success here are minds guys, and I think that those are the guys who can say um, whatever they're going to do, they're going to they're going to take care of business, and they're going to do it to, to the to the best of their abilities. And I'm a I'm a public I'm publicly not a fan of the phrase, how you do anything is how you do everything. Because I've said this before, I tend to not make my bed in the morning. And if I do, it looks pretty bad, but I can tell you, I'm going to do a lot of other things like be a dad, try to be the best husband I can possibly be. I am not a father and a husband like I, uh, in the same way that I make my bed. Uh, I do think that there are areas in life that all of us can have our quote unquote vices. And Lord knows that our athletes have those here, but I think at mines, it just is such a, uh, it gives you such small room for error that it does develop or at least brings out that inherent discipline that all of our athletes have. So reverting back to your question, I did not forget it. Um, if you walked into one of our sessions, you would see a lot of guys focused on the task at hand or a lot of girls focused on the task at hand, whatever we were doing, they would be, if you walked up to any one of them in that day, you said, what's the focus of this session? They would, every single one of them would be able to tell you it's acceleration day. It's a top end speed day. We're, we're focused on maximum strength in the weight room today. Uh, that is the intent clear objective of the session. And all of them would be, would be, uh, focused on that. So. 
No, I think that that's great to pay attention to. Now, like you had mentioned before, I had been a, an assistant strength and conditioning coach at, at Mines before. So I definitely have seen that. And I, you guys are just cut differently. It's one of those things. I think it's, it's, a, it's a blessing because it, it could be hard to recruit to get somebody to go to Mines because if they don't have a high enough ACT score, there's that whole issue. But what is it like being now on the other side and being a coach and working with other coaches? It's pretty rare to have a coach at Mines or any other academic school that actually went to that academic school. Most of the time, they're, they're coaches that might have gone somewhere else or your administrator that had been at a more traditional school, not so much an engineer by trade and by education. What is the dynamic of, look, I'm a coach, but I'm also a Mines alum. I'm a football alum. So I know the demands of the school and dealing with the coach. I think I think in one word, it's fleeting. I think initially, it got me a great foot in the door. I walked in day one as a volunteer strength and conditioning coach, fresh off my CSCS, fresh off my degree. I was working as a mechanical engineer. I walked in to volunteer here with the football team, and those are a lot of guys I had played with. And I immediately had a rapport. And a lot of the freshmen that year who I hadn't played with – they, once they knew I was, you know, a, a, a student athlete alum here, it, it did immediately give me, it did immediately give me a little bit more respect probably than, than I had earned with them. Um, and then as my reach started to expand beyond football into the other sports, it really did, especially because I didn't play their sport, but I did walk in their shoes in terms of being a student athlete. You know, as I, I'm 30 years old now, as I have grown now, I, I, I think I just had a conversation with one of the soccer players a few weeks ago that was like, wait, you went to school here? And I, I've coached him for over a year now. So I would say it's fleeting. Um, but what it did is it gave me immediate respect from a lot of athletes who, who I otherwise may not have had that much right away. And um, six years ago, and then o- over that time frame, I've been able to establish who I am through my actions. And, you know, Lord knows not everyone's always going to like you, but I, I can always say I did it um, with the best of intentions for everyone. And I, I think that if you do um, act out of the goodness of your heart enough, people will start to to recognize that and associate you with, with, with a man of integrity. So, um, while it has been fleeting, I, I, I don't know what student athletes go through now. Like so much has changed since I started my undergrad almost 12 years ago. Um, but immediately it did give me a lot, a lot more respect probably than I otherwise would have had, but it's, I would say it's, it's fleeting now, but it, it, it is always nice, I guess now with our performance lab and, and, uh, it is nice for a lot of the athletes. I, I get to uh, kind of help them in their academic pursuits because now I'm taking on a lot of biomechanics um, student athletes as well who are kind of helping me in my in my research and uh, and what we're doing here with our bioperformance lab. So it's nice to kind of give back and for them to know that I'm more than just a a uh, their performance coach. Now that I'm I'm kind of like their academic advisor and and their mentor and on the academic side, it's uh, it's fruitful for sure. Nice. And being at a small school, we have to wear multiple hats. You know, we're the, the head strength coach. I know you've done fundraisers and, stuff, and then you also have to navigate administration and, you know, speak their language. How, how has that transition been for you being an engineer and then a coach, but then also having to be a marketing executive, talk to your, your ADs and everything else? You know, it's, uh, 
it's a hundred hour a week job, you know, during the times of the year when you actually like sit down and invest in, in, uh, your fundraisers, it, it feels like it's the hardest that I work all year. And, but I, I'll, I'll say that it, it makes the fruits of your labor. It makes you appreciate the fruits of your labor a lot more. Like every dollar earned through a fundraiser, like we do with our iron digger fundraiser is appreciated and it's, it's savored for sure. Um, I am certainly blessed with administration. My boss is incredible. He's from day one, he's bought into my vision. I think that's something that helped me and maybe I'm getting, putting the, the cart before the horse, but advice that I have for younger strength coaches is um, you don't have to know exactly where you want to go, but you have to know how you want to start. And um, you have to be able to present, you know, your first few steps. If, if, if you, if you really want to get in somewhere and I, I approached him, before I even came on as a volunteer. And I said, listen, like, this is my story. I've been in mine's athlete shoes and, um, you know, I'm fresh off my CSCS. I had an opportunity to learn from a phenomenal strength coach when I was rehabbing a, a back injury as a, as a uh, student athlete here. And here's my story. And this is the vision I have, um, for the next year of the performance program. And, and he bought into it right away and wanted me to come volunteers for, for football and strength conditioning. And that same thing is he's, I've taken that same approach every year. You know, I, I update the vision that, that, that I have, um, but every year it becomes a little bit more clear and every year we can take it, take a few more steps to achieve that vision. Something that I went to him two years ago with was this performance lab idea. And I had, I had my feet strong enough in the ground with, in terms of my athletic performance duties that, that I wanted to start feeding you know, my, my other passion for, for, for academia and, and uh, getting back into the, into the biomechanics master's program here and start to do like true athletic performance research because that's a lot of where my passion for, for what I do is. And immediately he bought into it. He said, full steam ahead. I said, I, I have no idea what we're going to do here, but I, I'm going to figure it out. He said, full steam ahead and let me know what you need from me. And now here we are a, a little less than two years later and we're working on, you know, uh, what could be a, a all we have to do is sign, sign the contract and what, what's going to be a, a mega partnership with a huge biotech company and, you know, put out first of its kind type type research from here. And, uh, you know, he has stayed steadfast in saying, if you present it in a, in a, a, uh, an applicable manner and in a practical manner, I'll find the money for it. Um, but that's not to say that there was challenges along the way. You know, we, I've been vocal and, you know, if you get on our Instagram, I haven't posted a lot. I haven't posted any over the summer, but every year there's like a two month span where I'm just blasting up everyone's stories with our, with our, with, it's called an uh, iron digger fundraiser where I just started a fundraiser back when I was a volunteer called the iron digger fundraiser. And I made t-shirts that say iron digger and our team name or our, uh, our mascot is the ore digger. So it just kind of, kind of flowed off the tongue and that's blown up beyond my wildest imaginations where now I've got like real graphic designers working with us. And, and uh, you know, we've got a solid under armor contract and, and our, our company here at Denver athletic, that's able to, to provide us the apparel that does a great job with us as our sponsor. And um, that's funded so many hours of that. I otherwise would not have been able to have in terms of assistant coaches Um but yeah, I mean, it's dealing with administration is, is <clears throat> I think in a word slow anywhere you go, especially in, in higher ed, just because there are, there is so much red tape, but I've just been blessed to have supervisor, not only my own direct supervisor, but then his and his before him and, and his above him who, who really believe in athletic performance and share the vision of, of what, of what this uh, athletic performance department could be.
I, I think there's a, probably a lot of coaches out there who are fundraising, probably shaking their heads with you. Like, yep, I, I know exactly what you're going through and what, what, we, what you're doing. Now, what would you say to like a younger strength coach? Because we've all been younger on our grind and knowing what it's like to just, I'm, I'm only going to be a strength coach. Like I'll work a hundred hour work week year round, but you know, you recently just had a kid and you're, 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 you're married, you know, what would, what would like some advice or to the younger strength coach? Time and place. I, if it weren't for the literal saint of a wife that I have, um, who put up with, I volunteered, whether it be at Valor Christian or, or here at mines from 5am to 8am and 5pm to 5 or uh, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. after my engineering job. Um, she put up with that for multiple years. And and I, I have no idea how she did, but that was before we were married. And um, I never thought twice about it. And if I was looking back and I could get the, and I, I could give advice to myself who was doing those hours, I would say, you know, prove your worth. Um, but know your worth. And I think that at a point I, it came to a head where I knew my worth was no longer volunteering what I was doing and providing the value I knew that I had provided. Um, it just so happened that I had vocalized that to my supervisor at the time and he agreed and, 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 uh, we can't, and I came on as director. Um, so again, uh, prove your worth for sure. So don't, you, 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 there is an, there is a, a minimal work requirement that someone would have to put in to even understand the value that you put into a job. And it is nothing to do with your resume. Um, I've had some of my best assistants who have, you know, we've got, we've had three, two of them were volunteers that have gone on now to division one schools. And the common denominator between all of them was day one, they came in and we sat for an hour and they asked questions for the entire hour. And then from there, they took everything they learned and they started to build their own worth. Um, so to piggyback on that, how, how do you build your worth? How do you um, try to manifest that into a job? Another thing that I say to a few of the interns I have now is, it is okay to be a niche guy. It is okay to have a niche. A niche is really what gets you in the door. Um, a niche is what got me in the door with a lot of the connections I have now that are, that are incredible connections in the field is, is they reached out to me because they, they knew that I was a quote unquote performance science guy. And they had heard through the grapevine that I was doing this with speed development and I was doing this with research. And that was my niche. But now after knowing these people for a few years now, it's, well, he's, he's a performance coach, but you know, having a niche gets you in the door. And then once you're in the door, if you want to be a director, you need to be a more robust coach, but it's okay to be an intern that knows speed like the back of his hand. It's okay to be the accessory guy as, as an intern. It's okay to be the guy that's like, Hey, we're into recovery day. Let's do that with our intern, Chris, because he knows that stuff like the back of his hand. It's okay to be that. That's how, that's how you can really prove your worth is by, by having a niche. Um, and then once you do get your foot in the door, prove your worth and, and starts to become a more robust coach. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of strong opinions on, I, we were talking about this before, I came on, but, um, I have a lot of strong opinions with, for, with a lot of the things I see, whether it be strength coach, Twitter, or, um, strength coach, Instagram with people shouting to nobody 
on social media that, you know, I have a master's degree and I just got offered a volunteer position. Um, and I, I think they all understand the only way to, to shift that paradigm would be if everyone just stopped accepting jobs, but we're all humans and no one's ever going to stop just accepting jobs in a field that you work so hard for. So unfortunately the way to get your foot in the door is to work probably for free for at least a little bit to find your value, to find your niche, to build that value, and then to eventually prove it once your foot's in the door. So um, kind of all over the place, but I think that that's my number one piece of advice for a, for a younger coach looking to get his foot in the door. Um, you know, find your niche. You don't have to know what you want to do 10 years from now, but you at least have to know how you're going to take the first few steps um, after today. So, you know, we all, we've all seen those, those Twitter you know, rants going on and that. I'm just like, look, dude, like, it's just, there's so much more to it than, yeah. than just like, there's I mean, no context. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, it's been interesting to see that, but I think it's important for coaches that are still trying to get their foot in the door, trying to get an opportunity. It's like, it just takes time. And once you get that opportunity, we make it as big as you possibly can. And like you said, prove your worth. If you could pick up your phone and call Trevor Florendo from five years ago, what would you tell him? Oh man. Number one thing would be people are going to say what they will about you. And no matter how hard you try on a daily basis to please everyone, you're never going to. And you have to have thick enough skin to be able to take criticism slash blatant abuse, um, verbal abuse and uh, be able to move forward. And, you know, I was 20, I was 20, I was not barely 26 when I got my, when I got the full-time directorship here. Um, I had just turned 26 and I obviously just like everyone thought I knew everything. I was going to come in and change everyone's world of performance. I thought all the coaches who had had a lot of success at this school, we're going to listen to me right away and change their program to what I, I, in my mind knew to be the best way of training. And, uh, there were obvious roadblocks there and some, some, uh, negative communication and it hurt a lot. Like I had worked so hard to be this and to get this job. And now it's, it's all for not right. Like now, the only there are only two coaches that like me and the rest think that that they're just going to do do their own thing and um well that's not you have to be able to take criticism like that and work with people um and then again it's like kind of get your foot in the door know your worth show your worth and then create your own thing so i had to work really hard at late relationships with a lot of coaches here and you know now those relationships are are phenomenal but um, I would definitely, uh, what's the, is it the, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect? You, you, uh, you think, you know, everything when you basically know nothing. And then you, you finally find expertise when you realize that you know nothing and you never will know anything. I think that's kind of what fed my passion for research and academia, especially in the field of athletic performance, because I, I, I've had that come to Jesus moment of I'm never going to know anything. So I'm really just going to start studying as much as I possibly can. Um, so I, I would say that I would say you have to have thick skin. You 
have to be able to stand up for yourself too, though. So on the flip side of what I just said, you cannot be ever, you cannot just get walked over. And I think that, the, so that there, there's kind of two alleyways. It's the, it's the loud, aggressive, um, angry strength and conditioning coach who is just going to do things his way and, and not a lot of people like, and, and it's the, the passive one who's just going to try and please everyone. Um, and I, I tend to, uh, immediately after I started, I, I found myself kind of in, in, in the, 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 the latter role where I was just trying to please everyone. And it was just destroying my schedule. Like it seemed like for the first two years after that, like my, my schedules were destroyed were just jam packed and, it was stressing me out, stressing me out at home, stressing. Um, and I, again, I don't know, my wife is, is a saint, but, um, you know, looking back, you, you have to just be able to be you take criticism in stride, but not get walked over and, and truly work to find common ground with everyone. Um, and I think that's a really underrated aspect of what we do because we do have a hand in so much of athletic performance, but, um, Ultimately, I think from an outside view, we're seen as everyone's assistant. We're not seen as the head man in the performance side. We're seen as the assistant to the head coach. So I think that when it comes to opinions on training, the head coaches can kind of get lost. But, um, you know, in, in, the, in the, the last few years, I've certainly been blessed to work with a bunch of head coaches who believe in what I do. And that's made my job a lot better. So, um, but yeah. That's great. What? is next for Trevor Falando, Colorado School of Mines, Performance Lab, everything else you got going on. What can we look forward to? Yeah, so you and I spoke a little bit before this. I, I, I have big plans and I want to be a, uh, the, the, the next generation of athletic performance. And, and I, I, I have a vision here at the school where um, – I have my own thoughts where the field of athletic performance is going or, or diverging. Um, and I, sir, I believe that we're going to be at the forefront in terms of the blending of athletic performance and performance science. Um, I think that a lot of what you see right now with performance labs across the country and, and people who, who call themselves sports scientists um, is largely either one they have, they have no idea what the, what that actually means or, or two, they're largely academic bias. Um, what we're doing here with our bioperformance lab is zero academic bias. Like we truly are building everything that we do based on data collection and trends that we see. Um, we're not publishing anything because we want that headline to be proven and we want that hypothesis to be proven. We're going to be publishing everything based on, what we have truly found in the data and um, most importantly, and the, the, the whole premise of our bioperformance lab is, is not about us and it's not about the research we're doing, but at, at the center of the bullseye is to enhance the student athlete experience. And we're doing that by enhancing athletic performance. Um, as I mentioned previously, we're, we're presenting biofeedback on a daily basis, whether it be, you know, force plate testing or IMU EMG work or motion capture work or, or simply something as a, as a timed 10. We're providing biofeedback for the athlete to start becoming more kinesthetically aware of what they're doing. And, um, you know, obviously we do have such intellectual student athletes here. Um, I have line out the door of student athletes who are now are wanting to get into the biomechanics field because they've seen a lot of what of what 
of the way that we're implementing performance science with, uh, with athletic performance, excuse me. Um, but I think that the ultimate mission of the bioperformance lab and, and of minds, athletic performance as a whole is to be, you know, one, one robust program. I said at this at the beginning, I, I kind of have a three pronged role. Well, I, I want to have one role as the, as an athletic performance director, but all of those facets, performance science, you know, data analysis, biomechanical analysis, being a biomechanist on top of a strength and conditioning coach is within that role in order to enhance our student athlete experience. So um, right now it's quite segmented, but I have a plan and a vision for, you know, over the next five, 10 years, how we blend them into one seamless role. And, um, you know, as a, as a Colorado School of Mines high performance department. So um, pretty exciting, but you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things at play right now, but you know, what we've got going on, our mission is to enhance student athlete experience and find out what truly works in terms of performance training. No, I, th- I think that's great and exciting knowing that uh, we can keep an eye on that and keep watching it. And especially I know the last five or six months is because we were all sitting in the same spot and, you know, um, so I think it's going to be, it's going to be good to see some version of, of our profession start to kick back up here in the next couple of weeks. And we'll be keeping an eye on all that. But um, you know, if our, listeners want to get a hold of you or wanted to find out more about your research or just see what you got going on at, at the Colorado School of Mines, what's a, what's one way they can find you? Uh, best way is, and I apologize. I, I take a summer hiatus every year, but, um, and now with COVID, I haven't really got back into it, but it's through Instagram. Iron diggers is a, is our, uh, is our handle on Instagram. Um, but then my email is open. I'll, I'll, uh, have you attached in the show notes, but, but I get, plenty of emails every week from people just whether it be athletic performance or um, wanting to come on and see what we've got going on in our bioperformance lab. We're located near Denver and there's a lot of, um, fortunately we've got a lot of high performance um, athletic performance individuals around Denver area. So we get, we get a ton of, uh, of people coming in on, on a weekly basis, see what we've got going on. So our door is always open. Um, I just do ask that people reach out beforehand now with COVID because there's a good chance we'll be locked out for a long time if I'm not here. So, uh, oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I appreciate you taking the time and got a lot of respect for the program you're running out there and the fact that you're smarter than the average when it comes to like the actual sports science and I really appreciate you bringing on the, the podcast and we'll reach out. I love it, my friend. You are truly the man. You are the most respectable strength coach. I know I cannot thank you enough for having me on. And I, I uh, value our friendship. Can't wait to talk to you again. Absolutely, Coach. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. 
Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.